We shall go on to the end. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in you. and welcome to episode 56 of the Art of Surrender MMA Focus podcast. My name is Aaron Morelli and today I'm here with Brad. How are you, Brad? I'm good, mate. How are you going, Aaron? Thanks for the introduction. How you been? Good, good. I've been, been good back in the gym, uh, you know, working out. Everything's, as we discussed last time, more open. It's been a solid start to the year, doing lots of wedding planning, which is mm. which is exciting. But I think... Um, Did you put me down for a plus a bit... one? <laughs> Have you got me down for that yes. plus one yet? Yes, yes. yes All right, that's locked in. Good, good I've man. Got, I've got that. But I think you've uh, you've had a bit of a rough start and you've got an interesting story to tell us all. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I have wrecked my knee um, riding to jiu-jitsu the other week, um, riding my push bike and um, changed, changed gears and they didn't change on the cadence I was on. It kind of like changed offbeat on me and like the pedals jolted and I slipped forward like ass onto the frame and oh. feet kind of either side and like I had no control of the bike and I was about to go over to onto the major highway like it was when I slipped off I kind of slipped like really close to the edge of the road and oh. I was like literally about to go into oncoming traffic and I like kind of steered hard to avoid it put my foot down and um, my knee just fucking buckled so now I'm went to hospital, all this stuff, like had x-rays and they reckon it's ACL. So I, but I've had an MRI on Friday. It's now Sunday. My results come out on Tuesday. So I'll get, I'll, I'll know what the deal is this Tuesday. So like two days. So we'll find out, but it's looking like probably a knee recon and 12, you know, whatever the time frame is off the mats, 12 months, whatever. So it's a fucking gutted about it. Like I'm pretty gutted, but what can you do? Yeah. Like, Oh, it sounds. Although it's terrible, it sounds like uh, it could have been a lot worse based on how close you were to the to the main. Oh, dude, I I ended up. I I still ended up on the road. I I I was on the road, man. Like I was riding one of those chopper motorbikes with my fucking ass (laughs) ass on the frame, my hands on the wheels, my legs like up up in the air, and I was just full trying to stay balanced. Yeah, I I was lucky. There was was the people around. Uh, there was a guy on a bike, like probably 30 meters behind me. So I think he's seen pretty much seen it happen. And like, I, I was so lucky there was no buses because I went onto the bus lane. That's where I ended up. And there was, if there was any buses there, I was, fu- I would have been fucked, but I yeah, got back off the road and kind of like laid my bike down and just kind of sat there for a minute, like trying to, I don't know, get my composure. Cause I was, yeah, process yeah. it basically. And the guy pulled up and like kind of helped me a little bit. And then I had to, um, basically I hobbled my way across the road cause I saw that there was a, um, hotel across the road. So okay. I like kind of went up the street a bit, crossed the road, went to the hotel and then like to get their help. And they like, yeah, pretty much just gave me ice. And I just sat there and waited for my girlfriend to pick me up, went to the hospital, stayed overnight. And yeah, here we are. Oh, you Six. stayed overnight? Yeah. I had to stay overnight, man. Um, was it, was it like a balloon or? Was it pretty swollen or? Yeah, it was pretty, sw- it was pretty swollen. Dude, so painful, man. Like 
it's fine. Yeah, now it's yeah. actually there's not much pain. Like I actually feel pretty good. Like I can't I can't weight bear it properly and I can't like walk on it confidently because I'm my, my knee I'm I know my knee can't support. Yeah. So I'm kind of like hobbling on one leg and staying on crutches as well if I leave the house. But all in all, like the pain now has subsided quite a bit. So it's I'm I'm like comfortable, but like that's that apparently that's what happens when you hurt your knee or ACL. My brother did it years ago playing footy and he had a knee recon and he said by the time he actually went for surgery, his knee was like there was no pain at all. He just didn't have any stability in it yeah. at all. So that's like Yeah, the, yeah. I Someone I work with done his ACL for the second time. He's he's a lot older, but he um yeah, he said like now it's just that like he can run and all that, but it's a stability thing. Like yeah. he can't cut angles like like playing soccer or anything. So that's where his decision is with um surgery and whether or not not to do it. But yeah, I think everyone he you know, anyone who watches sport, I think ACL is probably the one that when you hear in a player's got done his ACL, you don't want to hear because you know usually their season's up. So when you said that, um, yeah, immediately, and I think many people can understand how painful and annoying, frustrating that one would be. Uh, and will be for like the next year, you know. But that's, fuck, man, it is what it is. I remember playing footy when I was like, I think I was 21 playing uh, at Swan Valley and I was playing in the center and I was playing on a guy who he was my opponent all day. And then in the four and he, and he had the better of me that day. I'll be honest. We won the game. He had the better of me though, but he got bumped by one of my teammates in the fourth quarter and the bump just like, I don't know how his like foot was on the planted on the ground or whatever, but it kind of hit him. And I think he took the impact through the knee a little bit, like completely fair bump, but just one of those things, man, did his ACL had to get like carried off on a stretcher. Fuck, felt I felt for him because, as you said, man, that's season over. You know how long that takes to like get over as well. But yeah, it's just I think for you, like um, when I was thinking about it, like you know, you're on your way to jujitsu, you're on your way to somewhere where you may, you know, potentially get injury like that. But it was just on the on the way, so definitely unlucky. But hopefully, um, you know, that's the only bad luck for the year, and it all turns around. Recovery goes well, and you're you're back on the mats before we know it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Um, it's yeah. Share the news. I guess it's relevant, right? Like people no, listen to the podcast. Got to tell them. Um, so today, what's going on? We're talk here to talk UFC two seven one. Yeah, man. You talk all all things UFC two seven one. Got two big big Aussies on the card. Probably our two biggest outside of Volkanovski. So big exciting card. But I thought before we get to two seventy one, I think we you know it'd be crazy not to go back to the card that was UFC 270 and then Australia's own Jack Della getting TKO victory. Yes, 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 yes. You obviously were in contact with him. He seemed, he seemed very excited. I think he, his yeah. name blew up on Twitter. So he's definitely one in style and, and he seems to have an exciting career ahead of him. Yeah, That's let's hope so, man. Oh, super, dude! I, I I wish I wish I had my um whoop strap or like I have a Fitbit as well. I wish I was wearing that, man. But I swear to God, when he started walking out, my heart was went from like sixty just chilling, and then like fucking like a hundred and fifty beats a minute up. My heart was yeah. pounding, like it was no full sport. pounding, man. Like I was so nervous for him. So yeah, I don't know no how sport, he like MMA to get your heart pumping. Yeah. Dude, you've been like when everyone knows what it feels like, that feeling it gives you, and again, like that adrenaline yeah. you get, especially when it's big fights, like 
all the huge fights give that to you. And like we watch it enough and we're all fans of it that you become like, like win or lose you, there's, there's fighters that we all like and root for, you know, and it's kind of like you become attached to it in a certain way. And like Jack, for example, is someone who like, I'm, I'm not pretending like we're best mates. Like, you know, I don't know him that well, but I've had him on the podcast a few times. We've spoken to other, each other for like three hours or something like that in total, been to his academy or the dreamy trains that I should say three or four times and trained with him for a few hours. So that's like enough, that like I feel like I know him and when he went into the fight it's not like it's just someone that's I'm a fan of that I've never met that's just someone I like that gets you still going and adrenaline pump yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. I've actually spent like six or seven hours around so I was like a bit more emotionally invested in it and I've my yeah it was hard I was fucking bang 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 <laughs> Then the fight started though, and he came out so like calm, collected, and just looked completely in control that I just was like, just at that point, it was almost like I could just feel that he was winning. He was going to win the fight. Yeah, and man, he he delivered. I think there was a lot of hype, and you know, I think you know people that know MMA within you know a little bit deeper than just the just the main card. I think were very excited for him and. And boy, did he deliver! So hopefully, next next uh, time MMA what, what or you UFC is in Australia, if when the UFC is in Australia, you know, hopefully Sydney, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's on the card. A bunch of Aussies are on the card, and uh, we're able to uh, go and watch him in person. Yeah, that'd be sick. I've been I'm trying trying to get him to come on the pod. He's away busy. I think he's busy like misses in America and traveling, and they've got all all that shit on. So when life settles back down. And he has some time. Um, we'll carve out an hour and I'll have a chat to him, see what he thinks, what's going on, what's next, all that. I don't know, whatever. Like, just have a chat. It'll be good to talk to him about it, see how he yeah. felt, what the week was like. If it, I wonder if how it felt compared to the um, uh, Dana White's contender series. You'd imagine there'd be a bit more pressure. Yeah, you're on a big card. You're on you know card with the heavyweights. So, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, there's no better audience and opportunity. So, um, yeah, massive for him. Um, and then moving on from that, I think another fighter I've mentioned, that, and his name is synonymous with MMA these days, uh, Sayyid Namagomedov. Um, mm. Got that guillotine in quick and finished that one nice and fast and impressive. Um, yeah. Which I think a lot of people may have saw coming. But, again, that, that last name I think will <laughs> – Will be around for a long time to come. Mm. Are they re- are they actually related or not? Because I'm not even cousins. sure. They it's actually cousins. they are the cousins. Okay, and yeah. another one earlier than that was the Victor Henry versus Rayoni by by, by Salas. He um remember Victor Henry came out and put on a bang and fight. Man, wasn't it his UFC debut as well? And Barcelos is a um bit of a veteran, and he he yeah. won that fight and looked amazing. Do you re- do you recall that? Oh, from the fight, yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah. It was a it was a sick fight, man. So that I'm excited to see how Victor Henry goes moving forwards as well, and that's the bantamweight division, which is like already quite an exciting division. So he'll slot straight into that, and I think he'll be I think he'd be top fifteen already, or if he's not, he can compete at that level for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what was you, what do you think of your mate Michael Michael Pereira, Michelle Pereira? Sorry. Oh, look, I think it was. Uh, was a shaky fight. Like I thought he was, you know, given that the other guy was coming in um, as a replacement and late, I thought he would dominate. I think he's, he's still got that. Uh, if I recall, he's still got one backflip in, which is good. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
He, he's an entertaining guy. I love watching his fights. It wasn't as what I thought it was going to be. I thought he'd be a little bit more dominant, but you know, he, he got the job done at the end of the day, and you know, he, he'll still keep uh, he'll still keep entertaining. I think did anyone that saw the weigh-ins? If you didn't see the weigh-ins, go and watch the the backflip off the scales, and then, I mean, just pure. He's just an athlete, and now he's four in a row, so he's climbing up. And and I think someone like him being in in a main event spot on a fight night or something um, will definitely be good because you can promote him. He's interesting. He's an athletic. Mm. And and if he's doing those backflips and stuff in the cage, although some people that, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, diehard fans might think it's, you know, a gimmick or not worth it. It's entertaining. At the end of the day, it's going to bring in some of the more casual fans. So, which is of course good for the sport, good for the fighters. Yeah, and it's one of those oh, things, yeah. man. Like he can, he can knock someone out with some crazy shit, like in any fight, right? Like even if he doesn't win, he's just because he's like you said, got that flair. At any moment in a fight, he can do something where like it's just like a highlight reel thing. So yeah, like exactly. that's, that's kind of what, that's what's exciting. That's what you need, and that's where all the a lot of the the big fighters, you know, even go back to how Conor McGregor became so big. It was when you watched that guy fight there was you were waiting for that left hand like that you saw in Aldo and you saw in um the Alvarez fight like it's that sort of personality and walking in and just waiting for that big moment that you're all craving that's why you watch the sport for the big moments and they're the people you need so I'm hoping you know hopefully he can he can keep rising up and uh and be one of those people because he can do it with a level of flair that some other people can't do. If he's able to do some athletic kick or strike or something crazy, um, you know, again. Do you know, you if just, he's, do you know if he speaks English at all? I can't, I can't even remember his post-fight speech. Uh, yeah, he, that, he does. That'd make it a – okay. For that, for, yeah, he's, inter- he's an interesting guy, man. Like, I don't know if he has the star power, but he definitely has the ability to capture a moment with, like, his yes. style which is what kind of like, you know, if you saw that, um, you remember Newsman came in and got that, um, what was it, that spinning or that spinning, like what was that, that straight kick when he got that guy, then the Sanginaya or whatever kicked him in the face yeah. and KO'd him. And it was just like on Sports Center and all this stuff overnight, got like how many million yeah. views or whatever. So that's like kind exactly. of those moments that you can create out of nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's got that, that ability um, to do that. Um, and then moving on, uh, I think now the co-main, which was again, fight of the night, they both, uh, $50,000 extra for that one. Ed Davidson <laughs> Figueredo defeat Brendan Moreno, uh, 48, 47 across all three judges. They went the full five rounds. What did you think of this one? Um, Look, I was hoping, I don't know if I was just like attached enough to it that I wanted Moreno to win and felt like in the moment, maybe he'd done enough. And so kind of felt a little bit bad. He didn't get the nod, but I think I can also see why Figueredo got the win. Um, so I don't, I don't think it was like a robbery, but it could have gone either way. And like, it's like you said, man, another 50 G's for them. Um, those guys could fight another two or three times. And I reckon like we'd have mixed results every time they fight. And I also think like we'd probably be, they'd get in 50 buck, 50 K every time they fight too. Like, it's just, a, yeah. it's a very, it's just a good matchup, man. And they both come to fight too. So they will put on a, it'll always be a show because neither of them 
they both go to fight. So it's always, it'd be just always a good one. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm keen to see it again. Like maybe, maybe um, they both fight someone else. And if they both win, then put on the fourth one um, just, to, just to give a break from it but um definitely want to see them again because i don't i don't feel like even though figurito won and i'm happy to like accept that he got the decision on the day because as i said i don't think it was a robbery either way so i'm happy to accept it but i don't think he's two and one and has closed out the trilogy like i definitely think there's questions that need to be answered so a fourth fight has to happen um that's how i feel like not disappointed about the win either way and same, yeah, to be said, same to be said for Marino. If he got the nod, I'd be still happy to see a fourth one as well. Yeah, the only way I would have thought it would be dead in the water is if Marino finished him the same way he did the second fight. Then it would have, to me, it would have been dead. Like, it's clear that you are now better than him. But yeah. I think with that fight, like the one thing I had at the end of the fight, and look, I think either one winning would have been fine for most people. But what I felt within the fight is I felt like Moreno was a little bit better in terms of combinations and coming out on top. I think Figueredo had moments, and those moments yeah. were big moments, knockdowns and, and and powerful shots. And I think uh, Call Me, I mentioned on the commentary, and there's an interesting point. It's like if someone has out of four minutes and 45 seconds of a round, controls most of it, gets the better of the exchanges, and he's handling business, and then there's a knockdown. And I can't remember what round it was. Figueroa locked Mourinho down towards the end of the mm-hmm. round. Didn't knock him out, yep. just a knockdown. At, how do you score that round? And I think that's where the rules, and every, I think I'm not the only one. I think a lot of people still bring this up where they need to be adjusted for MMA a little bit more in the sense of Moreno clearly felt like, and still does, he controlled most of the fight. There was a few moments Figueroa had, and he won. But the judges may feel like that knockdown was the most significant moment of the round. If there was mm. more time, he could have finished him. So then they've scored it that way. And I know there's the the order of, you know, octagon control and damage and stuff like that. But are, are the rounds really being scored like that? Or are the yeah. judges forgetting four minutes and 30 seconds of the round? Seeing a Figueredo, it was a knockdown, but it was like a, off balance, knockdown. He got up, clinched, and he was fine. It wasn't like he was out, curled up, you know, in a ball, knockdown. Yeah. So, like, completely out of it, and the and the bell saved him. So that's where I always wonder with the referee, what are they thinking in those moments? Because I was thinking that's a hard round to score. Like, yeah, everyone's like going to score that, that differently. If that, if that was if that were knockdown, let's say that knockdown, or, or they ended up on the ground and he had a choke sunk in, and the bell saved him from getting, you know, choked yes. out, then, yeah, like, that's – you give a round to the person that had the finishing choking, 100%. like, straight away. Even if even if they got dominated in the last five seconds, they sink in a choke that the guy's not getting out of. That's their round, I think, because you would have, like, that's the fight's over. Yeah. But – so I agree, I agree with you. It Like, which way do you lean on that? I'm not sure. And even in the fifth – even in the fifth round, man, this was – I felt like there was some sh- showboating slash acting coming out of, like – um, Figueroa's team, like it was almost like in the fifth round, let's say you're halfway through the round, it's two two rounds apiece, the fifth round, so we're halfway through, no one's really like, I can see if like 
Figueroa really took control of the fifth round and won the first three minutes, then I can understand why in the last two minutes you might start kind of like skirting around the octagon a little bit, playing like evasively and trying to stay safe and, you know, secure yeah. the round because you know you've won it. Figueroa did that, but not in a round where like he had, he had like taken control. It was like a 50-50 round. No one had had any like decisive moments or control or strikes to go, I am the one winning this round for sure. What happened was it was quite even and Figueredo just decided to be the one who was being evasive and playing, like trying to, you know, keep the fight yeah. in his hands. And it was more like a, a, a judge convincing way of fighting as opposed to like actually winning the round. And I felt like the judges fell for that and scored the fifth round to him when really I don't think he did enough to even earn it, to earn the the option to be like that and to act that way when really like if he wanted to decisively win that round when he hadn't done it already could have like got a little bit more in the pocket thrown hands and tried to like fucking take the round away from Marino but he yeah. didn't do that yeah and I felt like in that fight like even the post fight I always watched the full press conference at the end and uh, Marino was you know very much like yep I, like, if I lost I lost I need to review it very respectful whatever, and mm. then they, they come in, him and Cejudo, and they're just acting like absolute like fools. Like They're just carrying on. They're, they're still um, calling Moreno a crybaby or whatever, and they were acting like they had dominated the whole fight and won comfortably. And I was just no. thinking to myself, yeah. like, he just finished you like a few months ago or whatever it was ago. And you want to raise a close decision, people can have either way. And I think that's the hard part for the sport is there's a lot of fighters that think Moreno won. There's a lot of fighters that think Figueredo won. There's a lot of fans either way. And, it, and yeah. it's hard to be black and white. But it may even be an option where maybe they should post, you know, like every other sport, the score should be there. They should see mm. the score at the end of each round so that the fighters know. So that mm. there is no confusion where Moreno maybe feel like I'm getting the better of these exchanges. He's knocked me a few times and got a few good punches in but realistically i've hit him and come out better and he maybe feels and the corner feels like they're doing better in the fight whereas every other sport there's an indication of how you're mm. doing but there's no indication in this sport and when you've got judges it makes it hard so maybe that's something no no for into. there's an indication based on the feeling of the fight and things like that yeah. but no formal indication that tells no. you yeah. yeah, and a lot of a lot of MMA fighters, Rogan stuff, have brought it up before that it's something that should be trialed, even if it's with prelim fighters to start or something, or in a contender series or something like that, where you look at, you know, because there is the other thing as well um, that it may hurt in the sense that, you know, it's going to make one fighter more cautious and one fighter, you know, go for it more and, and that may have an effect on a fight. But that's the same in most in a lot of sports, they, you know they know what? the score. Another thing, another thing to consider when it comes to fighting is like, there's a whole market behind, like, and this might be one of the reasons why they don't make the change, right? But there's a whole, and this is we've heard all these conversations, like you said, Joe Rogan and I have all talked about it because, like, it's a talking point, right? Because people get decisions wrong all the time or people think they're winning when they haven't, so they fight a certain way when, like, if they knew what was really going on, they can adjust accordingly. Um, but think about live betting. 
live betting. You, if you, if the judges give out their odds, if, if if the judges tell you how the fight's going, then you know for sure. Um, so live betting changes in a big way. Um, MMA, where at the moment there's this yeah. like for MMA and boxing, but at the moment there's this like, well, I don't know what the market is for it. Billions, hundreds of millions, whatever. Like I'm not sure, but think about if you start putting in those. Um, live scores, so to speak, in that in, in MMA, it's going to change how that. Maybe I'm sure they find other ways to do it, but that might be an element of it. Why they haven't? Yeah, there are. There's there's a myriad of factors as to why. Like you think you know? Remember that UFC have partnerships with betting companies, like oh, of um, course, yeah. So they also the sports also still very juvenile, like still very new. It's blast. It's come, you know, with McGregor and stuff coming along. It's it's come a long way in a span of ten years, but still mm. got um, a long way to go and a lot of growth to go. Um, because I feel like it's sort of now just becoming more and more accepted, and and it's just one of those bigger sports now. It's on all the time. So um, I think you know it, the sport will grow and things you know, positive changes will come. And if that's one of them, then that will be one of them. But uh, I think we should move on quickly to Nganu yeah. and Cyril Garn. I think that was a, a Sorry, fight. we got carried away. We didn't, we didn't plan that. <laughs> no. Just got, no, it was just good. Though. It definitely, go with the flow. When, when there's a great card, I think it's important to discuss how it goes because there was a fantastic card. And I think the main event uh, I thought, or I really enjoyed that fight. I think it showed, um, you know, different sides to these fighters. I think everyone walking in thought Cyril Garner was going to sit on the outside and potentially take him down. Um, and Nganu was going to be swinging wild. But what I saw in that fight was a limited Nganu with his knees. He's got, um, similar to yourself, he's got ACL, MCL. He's got a really, really, really bad knee. So kudos on him for getting in there with that knee. Everyone wanted him to pull out, but he pushed through. Uh, and I think Cyril Garner, I think he just, was weird. Like I felt like he was probably going to be a little bit more active on the outside, but I saw him, you know, there was a lot of exchanges, but some of his kicks were just little tiny slaps. And then I think Nganu sort of, he said, he said to Ariel Hawani, started the third round, he was sitting on, or at the end of, it was the end of the third after the takedowns. He looked across at Cyril Garn and he saw himself when he fought Stipe, that he didn't have any answers for the takedowns. And then that's why they kept going for it. And I mean, some of that, that big takedown that he did was so cool. Like, just to see yeah. him pick up a, you know, real, I, I, Cyril Gunn's a big man. To see him pick up someone 240 pounds and just dump him like that um, was amazing. And I think the fight went in a direction no one no one saw coming. And I think a lot of people have said it. If Ngannou could get blue belt level jujitsu and, and learn some solid pins, he would be a hard man to stop. Um, when he's on top. And I think he showed, you know, that in that fight, I think Cyril Gahan would like some moments back, like going for the leg lock and and a few different decisions that he he made because that takedown in the fifth was massive. When he yeah. took Nganu down, the look on Nganu's face, I think Cormier said it, if Nganu lies back here and takes this, we could be seeing the end of the fight. And Nganu just lied down. But to end up on bottom after work that takedown, I think was crushing. And I think that from that point, Ngannou just managed to managed to hold on. But all in all, a crazy fight. What was your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> much the same, man. And, and like, <clears throat> yeah, interested. I was a little bit like, 
you know, Ngannou wasn't throwing, putting much into his hands, but now obviously we know that he had all the knee issues and that, so that explains it. Um, yeah, scary to see him control another man on the floor, the improvements he's made. And like you said, he's so big and strong already that, like, his, te- his technique's not going to have to be elite for him to pin people on the ground. Like, once it gets it solid, once it gets solid, he's going to be very good. He's going to be very, very good. Um, interesting to see him sweep him. Got good sweat, full, yeah. full sweep from the bottom, man. I was like, fuck, you know, like, and wasn't DC. He's like, he's still, what did he say? He's like, um, he's doing jujitsu. Like, he's like, Ngannou's wrestling. And he's like, oh my God, he's doing jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was amazing to see. Like, it was just, it was crazy. And I think what that leads to now is uh, obviously some controversy with Dana not putting the belt on him and not coming to the press conference. He's since said he was dealing with something, but. I don't know what, what you're going to think about that, but the obviously the relationship between Nganu and the, the UFC is very fractured, and this is probably the first time that you have a UFC champion that is uh, now out of contract, who by all accounts will probably be leaving um, and going to pursue boxing unless the UFC can come up with something that will make him happy. I know a lot of people point to the money but if you listen to him talk there's a lot of other things that he's unhappy about that other fighters have mentioned in the contract and in the way the contract structured and if you want to you know there's plenty on the internet about those contracts and and, and how they keep you locked in but yeah. I, I don't think the UFC based on the things that Nganu is asking for and that he wants a lot some of it's money but you know, some of its contracts, things that are in all the contracts. So I'm just not sure how they're going to come to an agreement, um, especially if he has a fight, you know, with potentially uh, Tyson Fury boxing coming up. That's a, it's probably going to make a lifetime worth of money doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on that situation? Do you think you'll uh, you'll end up leaving or do you think you'll end up re-signing? Um. Look, I'm, I, I, I just don't know, man. I, I don't know. Like, I'm hopeful he can make make the changes he want, wants to make. Um, and, like, you know, the whole UFC, should the fighters be paid more? Yes, of course they should. But, like, you know, that's it's not my role to, like, do any of that sort of shit. But, yeah, I think they should be paid more. Like, fuck, it's the same argument we've been – the UFC, people have been having with the UFC forever, right? Like, they have all the power. So they absolutely should be paid more. I, I, I agree with – I actually agreed with Jake Paul. He, you know how he posted that thing, something about like if, you know, Michael Jordan's won an NBA and the NBA guy didn't, you know, raise the champ, give him the championship or whatever, that's kind of like how disrespectful it was. Um, that, you know, Dana not putting the UFC belt around in Garnu and minutes before he went into the cage sending them like the lawsuits or whatever. Um, yeah, bro, like – Jake Paul, I, I, like, man, like, good good on him. He's doing all his popularity stuff. Not a huge fan, you know, like, does what he wants to do. Like, I know he's just trying to, like, it's all about views and clicks and attention as well. But we, when he's talking about that, I actually completely agree with him. It is pretty fucking disrespectful. And it's, like, oh, hell, it's hell spineless on behalf of Dana White. And you know damn well, like, they weren't in the background with other meetings and shit. Like, that's yeah. not what was happening. Like, it, they were doing that. And so it's just spineless and disrespectful and he's a fucking cunt for it. Like, that's how I feel. But at the same point, like, how do we know this isn't like the Vince McMahon type shit that like, you know, the UFC is playing their own little version of WWE by yeah. kind of like doing, doing these things, knowing damn well that it's going to be controversial, you know? 
Yeah, so who, I who think knows what part of it is that? Yeah, and before we move on to um, two seventy one, I think like one thing I always sort of with this pay thing, I think, and it's something I I feel is pretty popular in society these days. Everyone jumps on one train and they just look at oh, they're not paid, they're not paid enough, and of course there's some that should be paid more. But I think that if Nganu is the perfect example of Nganu, Dana will tell, Dana tell the story. When he first became prominent, he moved to El, uh, Las Vegas and he virtually lived at the Performance Institute. Now, from my knowledge, and um, it is fact that the fighters don't pay for anything that they get at the Institute. Massage, scans, exercise, everything they want, recovery is there free so Nganu there's that other side to it that he was well supported from the USC he did have access to all that he was looked after in that sense so the, although that may not you know solve the pay issue I think a little bit of context is important around that the UFC does provide certain things it's not like they're signing this guy up here's a little bit of money look after yourself we don't care like they mm. there is a level of care that they do provide to the to the fighters, it's just up to you know people to decide if that's enough. And it, and if it's not enough, it's something sure we can campaign for and, and aim to get better. But I think you have to you have to look at it from both angles um, and and accept that you know it's not all bad. It's not like that you know there's a lot of fighters that love fighting for the UFC and that they say they're looked after well. So you can't speak on behalf of all UFC fighters and say they're all paid like crap. They're all unhappy because that might not necessarily be the case because mm. there's a few, you know, just because someone like Ariel Hawane is really now pushing an agenda, you get, sometimes you have to wake up and realize he does not like Dana White. Mm. So there's that, like, where do you get your information from? If you look at the theme of his podcast over the last six weeks, he has people on that he knows what they're going to say. Jake Paul, he had Randy Couture on that basically explained how Ngannou is going to get screwed by the contract. He, ha he has people on that will support that that argument and then he'll pretend like he doesn't. And you just have to remember that there are people out there that don't like Dana. And then on the flip side, you'll listen to podcasts that they love Dana, absolutely love him. So they will mm -hmm. they will support him. They'll say, oh, no, he does look after the fighters or they won't ask those tough questions. So you just have yeah. to – I just think when it comes to this pay dispute – the reason it never really gets the traction it deserves or it doesn't really get anywhere is because they're not getting that impartial view or that impartial look at it. What we're doing is we're just getting news from people that have are sitting on one side of the fence or have some sort of an agenda. Yeah. Um, so that's my thoughts on the pay dispute. I think it's, it's very easy to just go, they're not paid enough, or it's very easy to go, well, they don't have a name. So that's why I think it, it's a, such a, thicker issue than that well i i, I agree i agree what you're saying man a very mature way to approach it like for sure how you're thinking about it but in general like i do think overall like their base pay and things like that i'm not saying like health insurance and health plans and things like that because like when you you know like yeah maybe they can do that stuff right like maybe that's something that they could do but fighting itself inherently is something that like you choose whether you want to do that and put yourself at that in that danger and in those situations as well. So you have yeah. to, there's also an element that you have to accept yourself if you want to fight for a living. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But 
as a whole, though, I do think the base pay for fighters should be higher than it is. Oh, of course. And when you see, like, you know, when you see a, a boxing event, how much they can get, they get out of it, the fighters get out of it, or NBA stars, things like that, the elite of the elite, like the UFC is the elite of the elite MMA. And so they are the stars, and some of them are bigger stars than basketball players and golf icons and all this stuff. And so, like, there are they should be able to earn more than what they do, I think. But yeah, like I think, like you're saying, I think you'll find a lot of a, different agendas and ways to look at it. And Ero Helwani, yeah, I've noticed that too. <laughs> I listen to his podcast yeah, every week. I'm, I'm a fan, but yeah, he absolutely is against Dana White, and like he will. Always- and I understand why, but at the end of the don't to me, it's like don't act like you're impartial. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we're not stupid, <laughs> yeah, but, and that's the thing. I think in terms of the lower level fighters, we all agree. But I think again, like just to quickly sum it, like there's that other side of they are okay. So we're going to pay everyone more money up top. We're going to pay the lower level fighters more, but we're not going to give the 10, 10 fighters an opportunity anymore because we don't want to pay that or we can't afford to pay that um, in the business model. So from now on, no one on a 10 and 10 contract, we're just going to get rid of them all. So now longer, they no longer fight for the UFC and they no longer get that chance to, we're not going to do contender series because you guys want them paid 200 grand. We can't afford that. We can't afford to do these fights every single week at that, that amount of money. So we're now going to cut a substantial amount of fighters. And so yes, that balance there, which I think Daniel would say like opportunity, you know, some of these guys want the opportunity regardless and they want to climb. So it's, yeah, it, it's a balance. And I think it's something that really should be worked out between the fighters and the UFC, not the fighters, the media, and everyone who has an opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, you know I what agree. I mean? But it, yeah. I anyway, agree. moving on. Um, are we on to UFC 271? <laughs> just doing 270 again. Um yeah, so moving on to UFC 271 is obviously a big card for for Australians. And I think, uh, you know, we are talking about before, there's a few sort of honourable mentions on this card. And I think one that's uh, kind of near and dear to you is uh, Casey O'Neill from Internal MMA. I believe she's the daughter of one of the co-founders, if you want to sort of, she's fighting on this card. Um, she's fighting Roxanne Modafferi, who you know came off the Ultimate Fighter. She for lack of a better way to put it, looks like a, and she uses it to her advantage, looks like a bit of a nerd, but when she gets in there, she fights like a savage. So that's an awesome matchup for her to go into because a lot of people know Roxanne. So, yeah, if you want to give a little bit of info around Casey. Well, I mean, that's 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 pretty much it, man. So her one of her, her father is um, one of the co-owners of Eternal MMA, as you said, and she's obviously, she came up, through Eternal MMA, um, through their ranks, obviously went on a runs, was one of the best female fighters out of Australia and um, moved over to the States. Like, and, and at what what gym she's training at, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, she moved over to the States and has been living there for a while now and training. And if I look, I'm not sure where her fight, did she fight in the, any, let's have a look, see if she fought in any... Um, any um, promotions over in the States. I'm not sure. I don't know if she got picked up in the, um, in the UFC straight out of eternal MMA or not. Uh, she, no, she fought so, in UAE Warriors first and then yeah, the so last she three went, fights. 
That's it. Three. So she went th- four and zero um, for Eternal. Obviously, came up through in the amateur ranks and stuff as well. Um, then went move. Obviously, would have moved to the states around that time. She she had her last Australian fight. Then four in the UAE. Got then got into UFC and now she's three and zero in the UFC and stopped everyone she's fought and got performance of the night in her last fight. Fuck, she had a pretty good year in twenty twenty one. She had three three fights, three wins, three submissions. Sorry, three finishes. What is it? Yeah, two, two, two KOs and a and a and a three and acre choke, and a um, performance of the night as well. So she's, I'm very interested in seeing how she goes. And she's actually fighting out of uh, Extreme Couture, which is where some names like Francis Ngannou, Misha Tate, uh, Forrest Griffin trained there, Vitor Belfort trained there before, Randy Couture, obviously. So she's in. Uh, she's training with some beasts in there for sure. So yeah, she's clearly clearly at the right place, and I mean, at 24 years of age, to be eight and zero, and already in the UFC beating someone by the name of Shevchenko, um, even though it's a sister, is 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 massive. So good on her, and uh, it's great to see another uh, that eternal MMA name is popping up a lot. Yeah, man, it's gonna hey bro, it's gonna keep it's gonna keep coming. There's a few more. There's a few more I I expect to come in in 2022. That's um, fantastic. There's a couple of people and a few of them are training partners of Jack Della. And I think they're going to be coming through next. Um, there's, a, there's, dude, there's plenty of talent around Australia that can, can oh, fight at a UFC level, man. They just need the opportunity, but there's plenty of people fighting and all the amateur stuff or well, amateur and pro, but you know, more specifically the pros at this point in time that can do it, man. They just, as I said, they need the opportunity. And all they can do is just keep fighting and keep winning. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's uh, you know, it's awesome to see her being so successful on the card in Turner MMA and then the other two Aussies on there as well um, yeah. on this card. So it, it's it's just great for Australia, really, um, in terms of MMA um, to be right up there. And then even, even you know, New Zealand is you know, has a special place in Australians' hearts and vice versa. So even Izzy's on this card too. So um, it's great to see. But I think if we move into the into the main card, um, I think the first two fights um, on the card uh, will start off with Bobby Green versus Nasrat Hazrat. Asked, yeah, so like Bobby that. Green is coming off a win against Alaya Quinta um, in November last year. That was by TKO and punches. And Nazrat is coming off a loss to uh, New Zealand's own Dan Hooker at UFC 266 just before Dan Hooker um, fought. Who did he fight? Um, Islam. Just before he lost to Islam because he took that fight to Islam a month later. So. Who, who do you have in this one? Bro, um, look, Nasrat's – I don't know who the favourite is, but I'm a fan of Bobby Green, boy. I like him, mate. I love his, I love his personality. I love his style. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, every time he fights, I'm, I like love to see him slug it out. And he's been in there with some of the best people too. So, And like even that last fight, you saw um, Rafael Fiziev, however you say it, and he fought against um, – one of Izzy's training partners, Brad Riddell. And obviously he he got the TKO finish, I think, late in the fight. 
Um, but Bobby Green fought him in, like, as you mentioned, the fight before El Quinta and obviously lost, but went the fight, went the rounds with him and won the, and lost the decision. So like he can, he's good, man. He can hang in there. He's striking slick. He look, his boxing is really nice. I'm a fan. I, I just want to see him win. Yeah. How about you? How about you? What do you reckon? I'm, I'm definitely Bobby Green here. I think for all the same reasons you just said, he is the heavy favorite. He's a dollar fifty-seven. Um, okay. Nazareth's two thirty, so he's the heavy. Um, he's the heavy betting favorite. Um, I was, I was going to say. Wait, I was going to say. Let's do a. Um, from now on, when we do these break cart break um, breakdowns, I'll just put on a bloody ten dollar multi or something. <laughs> let's do it, man. Oh Give man, yeah, we can re- we can review your. Uh, and then we'll we review, review your tips results. in the next one. Yeah, let's and let's then, do it. If you do well. One day you, you just won't show up to the podcast anymore because you, you've won so much money. <laughs> That's it. Can we quickly like let's just quickly go back. Let's pick. Let's see which fights. So before we keep moving forwards, let's see which fights you want to include on it. So we'll pick. Let's pick the the New Zealanders, right? So Mark Mathea, he's making his debut first card on the prelims. So I'll throw him in. Um, got to find his name. Sorry, people. Do this each time. It'll be funny to look back out and see if we can get some wins. Oh, it's not even on there. So they've got it's not on there yet, but they've got Carlos Olberg. So I'll pick him to win. Um, who else? Pick Casey O'Neill. Yeah, you got to put some money on Casey. She's heavy, 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 mar- heavy favorite. Yeah, there's only one market at the moment, so I can't I can't pick like submission or KO right now. Um, but so I'll just pick them for the win. Yeah. Otherwise, you know me, boy, I'm the risk taker. I just be picking them all for finishes and just throwing ten bucks down the drain. <laughs> um, what else we got? Okay, so Bobby Green, and again, he's the favorite, dollar fifty seven over Nasrat, who's paying two thirty. Um, yeah. Now let's talk. We'll, and then I'll pick the final three. So Derek Brunson, I'll pick. I'll pick. Derek, I'll pick Taito Ivasa and probably Adesanya. We'll talk. We'll talk through those. Though you want to keep going through the card now? Yeah. So next on the list is Kyla Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo. That's how you pronounce it. Um, so yeah, interest. To be honest, interesting uh, fight to be uh, where it is. Um, I think Kyla Phillips is coming off a decision. Loss in July of last year, so he's had quite a time off um, mm. against Rallyon Paiva. And then Marcelo Rojo, he's also lost to Charles Jordan in March of 2021. So both these guys have had a little bit of a uh, bit of time off. Um, Marcelo has, you know, if you look at his career, he's definitely got a good mix. Um, in there of both submissions and KOs. Um, he does seem to lose a lot by by decision um, by submission. So uh, that's something to, to think about going into this one. I'm not, I'm not that well. <laughs> I don't know him that well. Uh, but then as well, you've got Kyla, Kyla Phillips. So yeah, he, he's coming in with a nine and two, two record. And as I said, his last fight was fight of the night, but he did lose a majority decision. So what are your thoughts on this fight? 
Um, yeah, as you said, I did watch, um, as I, you know, I've, I've said before, I always um, watch Charles Jordan just because he has that connection to Josh Coolabaugh. Um, yeah. So I did see that fight that um, Charles Jordan knocked him out in. Um, so, yeah, he yeah got beaten in that one, obviously. And Kyla Phillips is a training partner of um, Sean O'Malley. I know that. I've seen him fight. Like, I, th- I don't know... It, I don't know, man. I think they're probably at a similar level. So, and I and I yeah. and I'd probably make Kyler the favorite in this fight. I'd probably pick Kyler Phillips to win, and he actually has got a decent ground game too. So, I'd I would choose Kyler Phillips for the submission here. Yeah. Oh, okay. How about yourself? Yeah, I'll go the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll throw I'll throw him in the multi then, <laughs> and he actually is the favorite. Dollars twenty five. <laughs> Marcelo Rojo. There you go. Yeah. And now um, move, moving on to the uh, the big three of the of the card. I think these are all three are amazing, amazing fights. And I think this fight here is a perfect fight to put on this card just because of the connection that uh, Jared Kennedy and Derek Brunson have to the main event. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, Robert Whitaker has beaten both. Um, I was actually in the crowd in Melbourne for when he beat Derek Brunson. He was supposed to fight Luke Rockhold, um, but Luke Rockhold got injured, so he ended up fighting Derek Brunson. And if you haven't watched that fight, go and watch it because it was wild. It was the wildest few minutes because it didn't last long, but it was the wildest few minutes because Brunson had connected and had learned some good shots on Whitaker, and then Whitaker came back and hit him with a head kick. And then when he finally... The ref pulled him off and he was on the cage. Everyone was just throwing beer in the air. <laughs> beer yeah. went everywhere. I was soaked in beer. That crowd went nuts. So it was one of the you know best experiences of my life. So I just think it's a perfect uh, fight to have on this card because I think it's for a lot of Aussies, they may, that even if they're only fans of Whitaker and don't watch many of the other fights, that these names they may be synonymous with. Um, yeah. And Whitaker actually stopped um Kennedy was a dangerous fight to take after he had lost to Whitaker. I mean, after he'd lost to Adesanya, he took on Kennedy and actually managed to get that win when a lot of people thought Kennedy would would be the next big thing after coming off wins against Branch Silva and Manson. So he's been, since losing to Whitaker, Kennedy has bounced back against Gastelum, who's you know a big name in the division. Uh, he pushed the champion Adesanya to his limits um, when they were fighting for the interim title a few years ago. And Derek Brunson, as we are talking about before, I mean, what a turnaround since losing to Israel. Mm, mm. I mean, just on a um, a tear, you know, he's on a five-fight win streak and there's some great names in there. More specifically, I think Kevin Holland, just for the fact he was a big name, he's building sort of a name, he's a character, and then Darren Till, um, yeah, I think this will be a great fight, and I am going to take Derek Brunson to to win. I think he's going to probably look, I think maybe to take him down. Um, but I just, in in general, I just think he's turned his career around, and I think he'll get the job done here. What do you think, mate? Um, you 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 actually broke that fight down on both guys, their careers, trajectory, and how they're going very very well. I have like absolutely nothing to add. That was very good. Uh, but yeah, same man. I've been, I'm a fan of Derek Brunson. Like I kind of, you know, I don't know how I felt about him. I remember watching that Whitaker fight myself 
Um, yeah. And we watched it at the, I'm pretty sure I watched it with the higher jujitsu crew up at near where I used to live in that near King's Cross. What was that? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What was the pub we used what to go to? What was that pub called? We watched uh, uh, McGregor Khabib there. Yeah. I can't, I can't even remember, man. Yeah, but I can't remember. We, we, we used to go there and watch the fights, and I remember watching Whitaker win that there, and that was, a, that was such an exciting fight, especially when he clipped him with that, that, the, the right foot. But he yeah, like, yeah. locked him a little bit earlier. It was so exciting, man. Um, so, but, yeah, Brunson has fought like, – he's fought amazing, man, and his, his top control and ground games looked really good. Like, granted, um, Darren Till's not the greatest jiu-jitsu practitioner in the world. Uh, but Brunson still looked good, man. So I'm, I'm going to go with him and I think he'll look for probably a takedown and control. And if he can submit him, that's obviously, I think, where, he, where he's, what he's going to try and do. And he's looked real good. So I'd actually, if Derek Brunson fought Whitaker um, and Adesanya, I, I reckon he can be a real threat to Adesanya. Like, yeah, I think he learned a lot from that fight. Mm, I think he. I think he's a real threat to Adesanya if he can get in and get controls. And like, I think this time he's going to really look for it if they fight again. Um, I mean, Adesanya obviously, you know, like he's going to fight at range and it's going to be really hard to get in on him. But like, I think I think I think um, Brunson's looked very good lately. So who knows? Maybe he can. Yeah, and I but think yeah. the only other thing is we're obviously high on on him right now. But I think we <laughs> definitely can't forget that. Uh, if um, if Kennedy does connect with the chin, it could be it can be over as well. He's got a lot of power. He's a big man, so I think yeah. it. He's obviously the favorite in this fight. He's actually the favorite um, for quite a bit, paying a dollar fifty and Derek two forty six. So that's interesting. I think that's good odds on Derek Brunson there. So he should yeah, be in your multi. I'm gonna pick. Yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna pick Derek Brunson. And you're right, man. Like. Keep, can't overlook Cannoneer because Derek Brunson has been someone who when he's winning and 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 in control he looks good but when he's when he's not or he gets hurt or, or there's like any kind of like he, he's panicked and been finished a few times so um and Cannoneer is dangerous man so he can hurt Brunson and then close the show very quickly yeah so it's, exactly it's a, it's a it's a tough fight for both of them man and and they're both I think both guys have good confidence coming into this one so it's going to be a good fight. Yeah, let's, I, let's I, keep I moving on, hey? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I think now moving into um, the Aussie Sorry, Aussie boys coming in, we got Derek uh, Vasa. You, you may know him as the guy that sits on the cage and drinks beer out of a shoe when he wins. First, Derek Derek Lewis. Both of these. This is the perfect matchup. This like they're both characters. They both have their own shtick. They both, and it's authentic. It's not like if you look at like a Colby Covington, it's fantastic, but it is an act. These two are probably the most genuine, like they are how they are. They're not going to change. They're not your, you know, Francis and Garnu ripped heavyweight. They're, they're larger dudes and they know that they pack power and that's what they rely on. Um, mm. But I think what we're talking about with Brunson, I think. What do you think about Taito Vasa, just how he's turned his career around the last, you know, few fights? Because he's 0-3 against Dos Santos, Ivanov, and Spivak, and it wasn't looking good. Um, yeah. And he's turned it around, and now he's, you know, won his last four. Yeah, man, I think he's I'm, – I'm, I'm excited, bro. I'm excited for him. I want to see him keep winning. 
very excited for him, bro. And and like you said, how many times have we had our podcast and we've talked about Brad Hardy and you're like everybody's favorite guy? You know, like he's yeah. everyone's because he's everyone's favorite person, you know, because no one fucking likes him. Yeah. Um, so seeing Tuivasa knock him out, um, absolutely the American crowd have like gone crazy for him as well. And the drinking now they're starting to notice the, you know, skull and the sh- the shoey on the on the side of the cage and all that stuff. So I'm just excited to see him fight and I want to keep the train rolling. I'm, I'm also a fan of Derek Lewis as well. And how do I see the fight going? Like they both have the capability to knock each other out for sure. I think Derek Lewis probably has the power advantage, but like, as I said, they can KO each other anyway. Tai Tuivasa is probably faster and has cleaner hands but Derek yeah. Lewis is going to be longer and probably physically more stronger and I think has a more imposing ground game, even though his ground game's not that good. Um, I still think he can control Tuivasa on the floor. So, yeah, like I, I don't know if you see that fight any differently. I don't know who's going to win because Derek Lewis probably has more ways to win. He could ground and pound him. He could probably gas him and choke him or... Um, knock him out from, you know, punches where Tai Tuivasa, I think probably is more inclined to either knock him out from hands or like really beat the fuck out of his leg with it. Cause he slams in some heavy low kicks. So that's probably like Tuivasa's way is probably a yeah, clean boxing and low kicks and just defensive wrestling. Yeah. That's, that's basically his game, right? Yeah, exactly. I do think, I do think for Tuivasa there's, he is training uh, more and more, um, as people know, at AKA, where where obviously Damon Cormier, uh, Khabib train, all these guys train. So maybe he does come out and surprise us with the takedown and maybe he's learned some wrestling and just holds Derek Lewis down. <laughs> he may not definitely win him fans with the, uh, you know, I don't know if winning by decision is a shooey moment, but, you know, at the end of the day, this for this one, I just think it's so important for Tai Tuivasa that he just gets the W. And obviously yeah. you want to do it in style, but he's put himself now in that position of being up at the top. And I don't think if he does execute less of an entertaining plan or for this one, anyone is it's going to hurt him because he's put in the entertaining. And I think this one for me, for him, I just want him to win because it puts him right up the top of the division. And especially if Nganu is leaving, say say you take him out, there's the door's open there, right? You got John Jones, you've coming up to heavyweight. Cyril Garn's just lost. You got Stepe around, so there's multiple options. Um, mm. So it puts him right in the picture. But if you lose, you could end up going back down and fighting a Blades or you know someone else. Um, so it's quite an interesting matchup. But I am going to take the Aussie. I will say. Round two, I think they'll get through round one. I think round two, you will TKO him. You're, are you picking him by t- second round knockout? Yeah, I'm going to take tie two of us a second round knockout. Oh, yes. All right, I'll back that. I'll go with that. Yeah, for sure. Let's go. I think they're um, going to be a little bit cautious in the first round, to be honest. Of each other? Because they because they're both throw heavy hands. I don't think yeah. they're going to sling it early. I think they're going to be a little bit reserved. I think there'll be a few times they sort of hit each other or hit shoulders, stuff like that. But I think in the second round, when the fatigue sets in a bit, they will open up and with the size of these guys and the way they hit, it takes one 
and mm. it's done. So interesting. Let's do it. Um, all right. So I'll pick two of us a second round knockout, but as well, I'll, I'll I'll back that as my pick, but in terms of the multi, um, the only option I have is just him to win. So, but I'll pick, yeah. I'll go with him. Um, he's paying now, good money. What's he paying? He's paying two fifty. Two fifty. Yeah. Against the all forty nine for yeah. Tuivasa. Rightio. Now let's keep moving on. What do we got next? Yeah, the, the, the main show. I can't believe how quick. Everyone's wanted this fight for a long time because I genuinely believe they're the best two in the division. And I yeah. think what Whittick has done since he lost to – I really liked his attitude when he lost to Adesanya. Like a lot of people – Dana even said it. Like Dana was saying, oh, you know, he's not calling him out. It doesn't sound like he wants to fight. But his attitude was just, I don't <laughs> care. Like I will just fight anyone. And then when I'm ready to fight Adesanya again, I'll fight him. Like mm. it just shows like – he didn't rush into it. He's gone and beat Till, Kennedy, and Gaslam. And I mean, Kennedy and Gaslam are two massive wins in that division. Like, I don't think people understand. Like, Kennedy was on the rise. He he was the next guy. Gaslam pushed Adesanya to the limits. Like, these are the two guys, and he he beat them and comfortably. He went through the fire and, and came out on top. So, I think that's what sets this fight up even bigger than if he just, you know went away, beat Darren Till and then just sat and waited for his opportunity while Adesanya mm-hmm. went up and went for the 205 belt. Um, so I think that's what sets this fight up as, as so big. And I don't think, you know, there's much to be said around the whole Australia, New Zealand thing. It's just great to see the two countries at the pinnacle as for fighting for the mm-hmm. title. But I'm curious to hear what your, your views on this fight and how you think it's going to play out. Um, Sorry, you didn't pick a winner yet, have you? No. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 I like. I like that. I respect that. I respect that. You, I kind of you. You. You give me your pitch, right? And then I. And then I give you my pitch and make my decision. And then I don't want to influence you. Yeah. No. 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 I, I respect it. I respect it. Um. Yeah, man. Like you always sum the fights up very well. You're like you know you're very knowledgeable. You know what's going on, of course. And I like agree with what you're saying. Um. And how how do I see the fight going? Like. I, I don't know, man. Like Whitaker can win. Whitaker can win the fight, but like, I just see Adesan is just so good, man. He's just so good, and he's super yeah, confident, he super calm, very and just very comfortable. And I just see him, like I just don't know. Um, I just think that Adesan has got the better of him. I think he needs Honest, to wrestle. Honestly, honestly. So uh, Whitaker, Whitaker has to wrestle. I don't think getting to, in a stand-up fight is a good idea. And I has just to think the Yarn mm. fight sort of set out the – and I know that was a lot heavier weight, but that set out sort of the blueprint. Like you have to – if you want to have and success, I mean, unless you're a superstar striker, you have to put Adesanya down or at least threaten. Make him feel like you can put him down because Vittori did, didn't make Adesanya feel – in, tra- in danger of those takedowns, he was laughing. When did Jan? Like, when did Jan um, get Adesanya to the ground for the first time and fully controlled? Was it in the fourth? The fourth. I, I believe say, it was. Quarter, yeah. In the it fourth was round. The, yeah, it was late in the fight, and then that it just was, became the tactic from there. 
Yeah. So I think at that sort of towards the end of the fourth round, he got him down, controlled him, won the round and then came out and then was like, okay, that's what I need to do in the fifth and then came out and did it. Right. So really it took Yarn. So Adesanya's ground game, like to be honest, I don't know if his jujitsu is incredible. I'm sure he's constantly improving. I mean, you know, compared to some of the other middleweights who probably have a little bit more ground game. Wait, but it took Yarn like what? almost three and a half rounds to get Adesanya to the floor and control him. And he's much bigger than what Whitaker is. So Whitaker's ground game, like, yeah, he can control Adesanya on the floor. And I think that that's what he needs to try and do to win the fight and mix it up with striking for sure. But Adesanya is not going to be easy for him to fully pin and control. It's going to be, he's going to have to fucking earn it to get it. Yeah. So, And I think, yeah, it's, it's the, the way it's going to play a factor because, like, looking back at that fight, just to remember, um, you know, Jan did win that fight uh, very comfortably on the scorecards, 49-46, 49-45, 49-45. And the fifth round, if you remember, was a 10-8. So yeah. he beat Adesanya quite convincingly. But we must remember 20-pound jump. Um, well, and the other side, think- keep in mind, though, forget the to, – to be fair to Adesanya, he did lose the fight, like, and and – we knew he lost the fight before the decision came out, but the striking rounds early in the fight were close. Like they were, they were close, man. Yeah. I just, like he, he, he held a good the... account of himself. He held a decent account of himself. He didn't look completely outskilled and matched. It was just clear that he was a, a, against a much bigger person. Yeah. And I think it was good because it probably stopped us. Uh, even though everyone was pumped for him versus Jones, I think it probably showed that's not something that should happen. <laughs> Cause I just think, yeah. Jones would just be too big and, and at the end of the day, too skilled as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Adesanya, you know, since that he came back and he completely dominated um, Vittori, even though Vittori for some reason felt like he uh, he won that one, which was hilarious. But I, I do think I am going to because I would like to see this be a trilogy and I would like to see the third fight be in Australia. And I am a Whitaker fan, grew up near where I grew up, and shout out to it. I don't know if you've seen his new academy, Gracie Speaking yeah. Grange. It is massive. You know those big, like, helicopter fans? That, like, yeah. the one that he has, like, it's so big, there's multiple of them in there. Like, if you look at it, it's Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Smeaton Grange. Um, it's massive, that gym. Um, I was thinking of actually popping in and doing, <laughs> doing just a class one day. Uh, so, Do it, man. Do it. Grace is just doing um, Smeet and Grange. And okay. Grange. I'm, just, I'm, I'm looking it up now. I'll have a look. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So, I mean, he's definitely, you know, doing well for himself. Oh, wow. That, that looks huge. That does look huge. Yeah. He's, he's training hard. So, I'm hoping that, that that allows him to turn around. He has got good wrestling. Um, so, it'd be good to see him uh, come out with the win here. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Robert Whitaker via... Decision. I do think Adesanya is going to rock him though in this fight once or twice. I think this time though he won't finish him. I think Whitaker will be able to clinch and, and survive. Yeah, I okay. think three so to two. Three to two to um two two to, going okay. into the fifth, and then I think Whitaker will take him down and do an Engano and just sort of hold him there. <laughs> Okay. Most of okay. The, most of the fifth. There's my Look, I, I can I can see that being um a way a way to victory and how it could go, but uh, I'm going to go with Adesanya by KO again, and I reckon first second round. 
I'm going with my heart, by the way. Here. I just think he's <laughs> not my yeah, no, I, no, I get it. And look, dude, I'm I'm an I'm an Aussie as well, but like Adesanya and the key, you know, the Kiwis, we kind of like they're family too. So, you know, but I'm I'm a big fan of Adesanya, man. So, oh, he's amazing. He's I, amazing. I, I'm I'm a big fan. I want to see the, I want to see the him just become a huge star and around the world and you know like become that yeah. kind of that kind of big so i'm yeah I'm, I'm always backing him to win so i'm going to pick him by ko first second round and in and i'm actually going to go in the multi i'll just go adesanya by ko i'm not going to pick around and yeah. i'll so the multi's paying just fyi it's paying 59 dollars 88 and if i use the power play which you know of course i'm going to do it's now paying 70 dollars and 90 cents and I'll um, put ten bucks on it. So obviously that's going to pay out, you know, seven hundred and nine dollars. Well, so yeah. I mean, I'll get that. I'll get that cash on the weekend. So I'll, that's coming to me shortly. Um, so yeah, looking forward <laughs> to spending that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but it'll be a great fight. It's great, as I said, it's great for the region. You know, you got the Turnoy May guys doing well, and then you've got um, Robert Whitaker and. Uh, tied to Avasa plus Israel Adesanya going on there. So we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll review that similar to UFC 270, but just quickly, I know we're sort of going a bit over here. I think just quickly, it'd be good to touch on just some of the big fights coming up. Obviously we've got uh, Colby Covington and Masvidal has been, has been booked, which is, which is massive. Uh, it's UFC 272. And for the people that don't know, there's not many people outside of McGregor um, that will get a pay-per-view headline spot with no title on the line. So I think that shows you, you know, the star power and the the trust that Dana and the UFC is putting in them to headline a show. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that should be interesting. We'll definitely break that down further. But I think that's, uh, you know, two, two former close friends fighting and it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, of course, also announced recently UFC 273, which is yes. um, Alexander Volkanovsky and the Korean Zombie. And, of course, um, defending the featherweight strap. And then, of course, Eldermain Sterling versus Peter Yarn for the bantamweight title. So that's an exciting one. That sees the return of Kelvin Gastelum, Mackenzie Dern, Ian Gary makes his second fight in the yeah. UFC. Um, Mickey Giles in there, Gavin Tucker, uh, Marston Tubora, Aspen Ladd. So, Rosen Strike, Rosen Strike, yeah, always more fights coming, man. Yeah, I Which think they're, they're amazing. Break, we'll be breaking those down as they come up. Um, I know, yeah, I, think- I know, um, Jalen Turner has been scheduled to fight against Jamie Malarkey, so that's one of Coolabow's um, friends and training partners. And of course, awesome. Coolabow fought against Jalen Turner in his debut, so interested to see that fight. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, something else we'll break down. All right, yeah, bro, no, should, we, should we leave it at that? Yeah, I think that's it. Make sure you uh, – oh, the fight's actually on my birthday. Happy Sunday birthday, man. My, uh, 13th in Australia. So hopefully Whitaker can uh, get it done for my birthday. <laughs> Be good. I'm a big fan. So uh, it's funny, like, just before we go, like, he, he still lives out, like, in Western Sydney. Like, uh, there's not just anything wrong with Western Sydney, but, you, you know, he's made good money and he's still staying to, true to his roots and he's – built that gym out there and I don't think people like him get enough uh, credit for that. It's one of the reasons, you know, why I'm definitely such a big fan of his is because he's stayed, 
local to his roots and he's built out a gym there and he's giving back out there. So I think that's something to uh, definitely be commended for the uh, for the guy. So I definitely will pop into that that gym. Hopefully when I do, he's there and he's got the USC strap on his on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, go in and train, man. Sound, that sounds good. And I actually looked at that. There was a virtual tour on the website and it looked nice, man. Yeah, I think I'll good to see- come. So maybe we'll get a few people. It's good to see him doing well, hey. Like, it's just nice to see people fucking succeed, bro, make something of themselves. Yeah, and and it's just nice to see that he's got his life set up outside of fighting. And I think that's why he's so good at fighting is he's not – he's just got a good – seems – I mean, we don't know the guy, but he seems to have a great balance outside of Mm. the octagon. And he's got that typical Aussie laid back. He's just going with the flow. He's beating fighters, some of the best fighters in the world, and then just – Casually going, yeah, I'll fight as a Sanya when I get there. Meanwhile, setting up monster gyms like these giant gyms. <laughs> so, I mean, same, good dude, same, same to be said for uh, Arasanya as well. You know, like he's got his YouTube channel, all the sponsorships. He's got he's got a lot of property yeah. as well. So it's just good to see. But see, these are the people who, um, you know, have fought at the top level, and you know, have, have made those big championship fights and they've got the money and all the, and, and the name behind themselves to be able to like have a, you know, do, uh, do other things and invest money in other things where the guys coming up yeah. at the lower levels who we were talking earlier about needing to pay them a little bit more and that sort of whole spiel there, they sometimes never get that opportunity they come into the UFC, get knocked out yeah. three times and then they're in the can, you know? Yeah, exactly. Dealing with, dealing with head trauma for the next 40 years. You know, like it's, it's it is a kill, it's a kill or be killed sport, eh? And it's so like I don't know, man. It's it's a crazy life. Yeah. Anyway, that was a good. Uh, it was a breakdown of a couple UFC events, plus uh, sort of a look into the next ones we'll be breaking down. And I'm excited to see what happens this weekend. And I'm sure we'll discuss it on the on the next pod. Yeah, that's it. All right, thanks, thanks everyone. That's um episode number fifty. 50- 56 in the books. Cheers, Aaron. Catch up with you all next time.